Leeds in West Yorkshire, the county's largest city and home to almost a million people. It's also home to one of the largest hospital trusts in the country, the Leeds Teaching Hospitals. Hi, my name's Liz Whitaker. I'm a broadcaster, journalist and Yorkshire resident. And in this podcast series, I'm going to take you on a journey behind the scenes as I'm invited into the hospitals that are doing incredible things, not just saving lives. Today, I've come to Leeds Children's Hospital, one of 27 across the country and the only one in West Yorkshire. As with any large hospital, it has state-of-the-art facilities, world-leading doctors and nurses, and has specialisms in cancer treatment, transplantation and congenital heart surgery, to name a few. All the staff here are obviously dedicated to delivering the best possible outcomes for every child, but in this episode, I'm not looking at the medicine or the treatment on offer. I'm taking a look at how a hospital provides care when their patients might not know what's going on and feel very scared and threatened by an environment which isn't their home. From walking through the doors, it's clear that the aim here is to make the hospital feel less like a hospital. Bright colours, murals and paintings cover the walls. There are playrooms on the wards with everything from playmats and toys for the younger children to games consoles and pool tables for the older ones. Leeds Children's Hospital has a fully-fledged school under its roof so that children who need to be inpatients or have treatment frequently don't miss out on their learning. And there's even accommodation for parents so that families that might not live near Leeds can stay over easily and conveniently while their child's in hospital. There's so much to talk about that this hospital provides outside of just the medicine. But in this episode, I wanted to find out more about a role I didn't know existed. The play specialist. I think it's a massive misconception when people ask you, oh, so what do you do? And you're like, oh, I'm a play specialist. They're like, oh my God, that must be amazing, colouring here all day. And I'm like, uh, no. Natalie, who you just heard, is the senior play specialist who works within oncology and haematology. She's giving that main character energy in this episode as I follow her around on her daily duties. So, this is that patient. So we'll see. Hi! Hello. Is that tube not supposed to be out? Uh, no. Hi Tilly! You alright? The role of a hospital play specialist is we are like a therapeutic tool for children. So there's a therapeutic part where we do lots of prep and distractions for procedures and operations. <gasps> trying to relieve the child's anxieties, the fears, almost making it a normality, because when they're in, obviously, having treatment, the treatment can last six months, can last up to years. So it's important to make it as familiar for the children as possible and relieve all them fears and anxieties and make it a fun environment for them to be in. Let's have a history lesson, shall we? This role was originally developed in the mid-1960s. So basically, they had no specialist training. By 1980, a Department of Health and Social Care survey showed a third of all children's wards had paid play workers, but it wasn't till 2012 that you needed the new Foundation Degree Award Healthcare Play Specialism. 
alongside a license to practice as a registered health play specialist. If you thought this was a casual job, you'd be wrong. We help children deal with their fears and anxieties. We use play to prepare children for hospitals, procedures, operations and injections, scans, x-rays, ultrasound, you name it, whatever they can come for, it's what we prepare them for. She's been a play specialist now for 16 years and has two degrees, a foundation degree in hospital play specialism and an honours degree in working in partnership with children and young people. It's all really impressive. So I've got letters after my name. <laughs> I've only got my letters after my name and said to my brother, you better write my birthday card and put, you know, my letters after my name. He obviously said no. Hello, my name's Bob Phillips. I'm one of the doctors that works part-time at the Children's Hospital in Leeds, but I'm also a researcher and I work at the University of York where I research supportive care in cancer. So the play therapy team in oncology are brilliant. There's a whole load of people there. There's, there, there's Zoe, there's Rachel, there's Tracy, there's Lobka, there's Natalie and more who, who are all working to the same end. And that is supporting children and their families in understanding and engaging and do many of the things that make life fun. So this is Max. Natalie took me to see Max. Today he's joined by his mum and grandma. Sometimes granddad comes in too. He's in for a dose of chemo as he was diagnosed with leukaemia in January. He's only 12. Yeah, because when you first come in, it's a bit scary, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, do you remember when you first came in? I was panicking. Yeah, and um, who did we see on ward? Uh, Natalie. And Natalie is nice. We're sitting in a room with three beds. There's just us in there at the moment. Max is in a reclining chair waiting for a doctor to come and speak to him and his mum before getting his chemo. He's bubbly, chatty. He can't wait to tell me everything about his time with Natalie. I can tell these two get along very well. Well, I came in for my first treatment on January 4th, I think. But I think I met Natalie on the second or the first day. And then ever since that, she's just been really like always there for me. And she's been like nice and caring. And she's like distracted me when I'm having needles. And she's played games with me. She's drawn with me, coloured with me. It's been fun all the time, really. Oh, Max, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> Our team of play specialists are hugely important because what they do is they support the team in providing information to the families. They provide another voice and another way of describing things that is sometimes more accessible to some families and some children than from other people. They use a variety of techniques like distraction and education to get kids enabled to go through the understandable anxieties that they have about things, to, to let those therapies and those treatments and those ways of working happen. There's some fantastic examples of this and that includes the work that's done with siblings and young people to explain what the disease is so that they've really got a handle on it um, in a way that they can understand and take forwards. They do a lot of work in preparation for procedures and those will be things that happen that aren't usually the everyday. So it might be the Wigglies accessing a portacath. We don't use needle, we call it a Wiggly. We're going to put your Wiggly in. It was amazing to hear all the different support mechanisms that play specialists use to make children's journeys as pleasant as possible. 
So, do you remember when you first came in? What did I give you to help? Oh yeah, she gave me a chemo duck, and it was like a duck, and you have it. It has like the same things that you get put in you, and then you have like the thing. You have like a thing that goes in your chest, like a needle that I put needles in, yeah. and it goes to, and then you put it in, and it gets like all your medicines through it, and then the duck has it as well so you can do it at the same time to the duck so then duck can do the same kind of process with you. Chemo duck has been around a long time so he was around before I even started so we were the first hospital in the UK to use chemo ducks originally he's from America so every duck there's two one's got a pork calf and one's got a Hickman line and then we role play with it to show them how it's accessed how the nurses will clean the ends, put the syringes on, give them medicines and stuff. So it breaks it all down so it's less frightening for them. It normalises the hospital equipment as well that they use. So they don't become as daunted when they come forward with a tray of like syringes because they know that, you know, they're going to do it on the duck. Um, so he is amazing, chemo duck we love him. So we give you a chemo duck and it's got a central line in Antic. So what we do is we prep you for your line through the duck, don't we? Explaining yeah. what the line does. How, how you get works. medicine in it. Yep. And we also explained about how it reduces you having cannulas and stuff. Yeah, because cannulas are worse in my opinion. Yeah, worse than having your port access. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because for the cannulas, they're like... It's like an if you move, it like moves out of place sometimes. And like... Sometimes like with the pot you have like numbing on and then the numbing stays on for a while and then with that it just like it leaves bruises all over like there's bruises all over my arms from ones in January that were from ages ago. Yeah. Max just likes to sit and chat don't you? I'm a talkative person. Yeah so Max would come. As a family as a whole you, you never expect to hear the news that your child's got cancer. Um, and I think it does bring you closer together as a family. It just totally knocks you for six, but then you realise how much of a strong bond you actually have. We've always been a close family, but now it's brought us even closer together. This is Max's mum. As a mum myself, I couldn't imagine what it must feel like to be told that your child has cancer, but her strength and power really shone whilst we were speaking. When he first started coming here, obviously he was absolutely terrified. Um, He's never really been in a hospital environment before, as a child normally isn't, so he was absolutely terrified. And this hospital, especially um, the ward that we've been on in the clinic, is so child-friendly and so welcoming. It, it's, it doesn't feel like you're in a hospital, if that makes sense. Sometimes you sort of forget that we're in a hospital settings in between sort of the treatments. Being introduced to like Natalie and the play team, they're just invaluable. I don't think people realise what a difference they actually make to the children here and on a day-to-day -day basis. Not just Max, you hear them with all the children. And they just come in and make everything relaxed and fun. They've always got loads of different activities, loads of different distractions. And they cater for each individual child, which is, is just amazing. I don't think people realise how much of a support they are and a support to, to us as adults as well, giving us sometimes that breather where they can have 10 minutes with the play work where we can feel at ease to go get a drink, to go speak to the doctor if we need to about, you know, private, you know, things in a bit more private. You don't feel as, as worried. I think the, the play team, I don't think they get enough credit for what they do. I thought when, like I said, when I first came here, 
they just played with the children in the playroom. That's what I thought their job was, like a um, like a nursery nurse, but they do so, so much more. They're absolutely brilliant. So by, I find, you know, making the environment safe, happy, fun, you know, that relieves a lot of, of the parents' anxiety automatically because even bringing them in happy and then having them kicking and screaming down the corridor, you know, instantly takes that pressure off the parent. Um, and then generally just, you know, sometimes just saying morning to someone and how are you and then just listening to them, just listening to them, you know, have the daily moan. If somebody can be accessed quickly, if somebody knows that having the doctor come along and squidge their tummy and listen to their heart, if all that stuff can be done without having to have a 15-minute negotiation, then it speeds things up. It makes it less distressing for the child as well because they don't usually drag things out just to be awkward. They're doing it because they are nervous, anxious, distressed, sad about the experience, all sorts of things. And a lot of that comes from not knowing or or having had really poor experiences before and the play team can be very helpful in in supporting the child to understand and to work through some of those to some extent in order that all of the things that we as as doctors nurses and, and the rest of the team do can be done in a really effective way and one that doesn't then cause more distress um, and, uh, and, and stress for the child and their family. Wait till they hear Abby singing later. Oh yeah, <laughs> you'll have to get me to sing with her. Yeah, so what we're going to do is, once you've seen the doctor and Abby's going to put your chemo off, yeah. um, we'll come in and then while she's doing all the bits and bobs, we'll have her sing off. Ooh, I'm going to win. Are you? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. My mum will join in too. Is she allowed this time? Because you banned her from singing last oh, time. Yeah. No. Yeah, she will. Yeah, she can if she wants. Hey. What about Gran? She's just dancing. Yeah, Grandma can just dance. Grandma likes to dance. What we'll do is, I usually go. If I've been downstairs, I'll go and check in the nurses' room. Is a hand on sheets? So I'll go look at that, just to see who's coming in, to highlight anyone I need to go see. This is Rachel, the ward manager, and this is Abby. Abby, he's chose the song. Oh. Ribbing me as a dancer. Oh, oh, that's my boy. Yes. So, just gonna have a look at this and just see if there's anyone I need to pick up on. While I was on the ward, Natalie told me about an incredible little girl called Robin. She had to get her port accessed for treatment, and instead of using cannulas, doctors use a device called a portacath. It's implanted under the skin and it makes it really easy to give medications and draw blood. Robin hasn't always had a great relationship with these clever devices, so she's usually a bit apprehensive that it's going to hurt. It comes to the point where mum was, Ali was getting really upset because she was like, she just didn't want to do it no more because she was like, you know, she's really good and it was causing her so much upset and she couldn't work out how to make it better. So I got asked if I could do some work with her. The first time I went in, I went to go do a distraction and just watch what went on. Um, she engaged with the distraction, but as soon as they put cold spray on, she started screaming and then screaming when the needle went in. Then she came back round and did the distraction, carried on playing on the tablet and was fine. 
So I said to mum, I think it's the cold spray that's upsetting. I have used the cream. She said, yeah, but it's not like the plaster. And I said, have you ever thought of trying it without? Because we have got some children that don't use anything and actually they're fine with it. So she's like, yeah, that might be an option. And then I said, do you still have chemo duck? So she said, yeah, but we ain't got it with us today. We've only got our Elsa doll. So I said, fine, right, I'm going to go get um, a wiggly. So I took the needle bit off. I said, and then we're going to roll. I'm going to roll play with her with Elsa. So that's what I did. We did on Elsa what the nurse was going to do to Robin. Then we were like, Robin, it's your turn. She was like, okay, lifted her top up, straight in. Played on the iPad, didn't cry, didn't moan, didn't do anything. And mum was like, tears rolling out of bed, and she was like, oh my God, oh my God, is that a fluke? And when then she came back a couple of weeks later, we did the whole process. At this time, she sat next to mum, didn't sit on mum's knee, sat next to mum, just holding her top up, played on the iPad, like that. We did Elsa first, she had lifted her top up, just like playing on the iPad, had it done, done, fine. And she's, yeah, she's great now. So she's doing really well, so something so simple but it has a massive impact beads of courage are used to normalize procedures and make each step a huge win every time the children go into hospital and have a different procedure they earn a different colored bead which they can collect and based on my own children i know how much they love to collect things and not everyone's beads will be the same. They'll all be unique to them. So, you know, some people get ill, some people end up spending a lot of time in hospital, some people end up with no time in hospital. So I think it is unique to them and what they're going through. And it's nice when they're older to look back on. Quite a few years ago now, one of my patients was having radiotherapy and she wasn't very struck on the idea of going into the radiotherapy room and lying there on her own while she had a radiotherapy in a specially made um, sort of squishy thing that then goes all hard around you so you're in exactly the right place and she didn't want to leave her mum and her mum really didn't want to leave her and then they found in the cupboard a little fairy who lived behind a little door and the fairy one morning had left some string outside. And this string was very, very special because it was coloured all the colours of the rainbow and it was made of a really special stuff that meant all the love that her mum had would go down the string and go into the little girl as she held it. And every time she felt worried and needed a hug, she could just pull the string a little bit and then her mum would send all the love down and you could feel that because it was tugging back. And that led this little girl to be able to move from someone that was taking a considerable time to get into the radiotherapy room and really quite worrying whether she's like still enough in order to have it into a kid who was turning up on time, having the radiotherapy and getting into that situation. That's something that really only a play specialist could have done because other people don't have the training and the resource and the position to be able to come out with those sorts of things and create those sorts of tools that can assist children in those situations. Fairies are extremely important and we very much support them within the children's hospital. Play specialists are an integral role when it comes to patients and their families. 
understanding and communicating any diagnosis in a child-friendly way. This includes a cell talk where the science behind cancer and its treatment is explained. So we talk about red blood cells and what their job is, we talk about white blood cells, what their job is, and then there's the unwanted cell, which is obviously the cancer cell. And then what we do is we, we talk about, oh, do you know what this cell does? Do you know what that cell does? And then the kids then try and guess, and we make it into a bit of a game. We do a cutout of the body, and they can put um, good cells on there and bad cells on there. So when they're having chemo, they can take a bad cell off and put a good cell on. So they know that it's having an effect, so it's in a visual alert for them to realise what's going on and actually, yeah, I'm feeling fine, but we've still not got rid of all them bad cells yet or them unwanted cells, so therefore, you know, I've still got to go and have my medicine. So we do that and we do, obviously, we do it with siblings as well to try and help them ex explain and understand what's going on. That sort of way of working with the family and alongside the family to make sure that the information's provided to the child as they understand it, using the right sorts of words like leukemia, cancer, sarcoma, and not using words that might be misunderstood or have different feelings about them, like, like germs, because cancer isn't catching. You, you can't have got it from somebody else and you can't give it to somebody else. So it's really important that we can get the, the right sorts of messages across to children so that they can be fully informed and, and really take on the ownership of their condition as they go forwards. Yeah, yeah. Hello. You all right? Yeah. Hi. And how old are you? And we just turned two. You're a big girl. Now, Elsie, do you like bubbles? Oh, you do. While I was with Natalie, she had to nip away from our tour to do a distraction on a two-year-old patient who needed her bloods taken. Where's, my, where's Mr Tumble, look? Let's find him. Where is it? There he is. Oh. Let's see what he's doing. No, we've not. Not happened yet. Oh, are you any good at singing? You are monitoring three people's emotional reactions and then engaging at an appropriate time where you can distract them so it doesn't raise them levels. You know, you're reading the room and as you can tell with my thing, my voice changes and that's when I know something's going to happen. I think because I've done it so long, I know the procedure inside and out. So I know when they're going to go in with a needle. So then I know myself to be like, right, I need to get them like properly engaged in this. Oh, quick, go, 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 go. Hey, that's a smile. That's a nice smile. Hey, we did get a few smiles through those tears. That's usually in like the first few weeks that they're coming in because they have so much done. They're a bit anxious of everyone and everything. So when you go in, they think they're going to stand me with someone or, you know, they're going to do my temperature or what they're going to do. Then they start panicking until they get to know you. And then they realise actually, oh, you're all right. You can come in. You can do some flame with me. It's fine. And that's why doing normalising play is so important because you can't just jump in and do a distraction. You know what I mean? You need to at least spend some time with the child beforehand. Like in outpatients, I'll always go and introduce myself see the child, talk to the families before I actually then go do the distraction. So that when I'm going in, I'm not another nurse. 
you know what I mean? And then try and make it as fun as possible. I was really curious to find out how the role of a hospital play specialist is still evolving within the hospital. Recently, Natalie led the way with some groundbreaking research around how it can be made easier for children to have MRIs. An MRI scan is one where you have to lie very, very still in a very tight and very noisy box. And that can last up to an hour sometimes. I mean, it's difficult enough for some adults to lie still for an hour, let alone a small child. But with the play therapy team, they've managed to develop a way of going about this that means that many kids, even down to the age of four or so, can do this without needing a general anaesthetic. We would go visit the MRI room so they could see the room, the machine. We'd look at the noises. We'd also find out what the scan involved, like holding breath or stuff. So then we'd create games like Sleeping Lions. So what we'd do is I'd give them a task by you're going to go home and I want you to play Sleeping Lions and you've got two minutes and you can't move and they set a timer and then worked on so it's like five minutes and then you work on seven minutes and then ten minutes. So it's just basically breaking it all down. We role play it all and then the kids usually when you're role playing will like role play like oh, that's going to hurt, or, oh, I don't like that. And then you pick up on that, and then whatever they've stated they don't like, I try and find a way of solving it. So sometimes it's the little things like, you know, it's having the cannula in, but it's not the cannula, it's having the plaster taken off when they have the cream off because they don't like that. Or um, it's laying on the bed, they're not comfortable, so they want a blanket down first, and then putting up. You know, it's little things that sometimes just need tweaking, but without doing these sessions, we would never find them out. And that's what we do, just think outside the box a bit. Occasionally, we will meet a patient who has been treated somewhere else in the world that hasn't had access to that and hasn't had access to play therapy. And they might come in because they still need treatment or because they've relapsed having been treated somewhere else. It's at that point on meeting those rare individuals that you really see the difference between a child that has been treated without play therapy, without the same specialist nursing skills, without the same stuff that goes around the care. They may have had exactly the same drugs, but their experience of it and then their experience and response to us is so different. And that's when I've really seen what our team including the play therapists, really makes a difference to children at that point and also years later um, were they to have to come back again. Let's head back to 12-year-old Max as he lets me in on a little secret. He really wants to be a play specialist just like Natalie when he's older. Well, because they help little children. Like Sometimes children get very scared when they're having needles. So they like help like children when they have the needles and they like distract them and it just overall sends a positive vibe to everyone and it just makes them like see like think that it's not as bad as it actually is because they don't really feel it. I think I feel like this is like my purpose in life. I feel like I was meant to do this role and I'm happy in my job, I love my job, I love my role, um, I love how I support the families and the impact we have on 
not just the ones going through treatment, but like the palliative patients that pass away, you know, the impact and the support that we give them, I think just spares me on. You know what I mean? And it won't, and like I say to everyone, because like everyone always goes, oh, it must be really sad now. And I'm like, well, no, because it's not. Because if you go on the ward, the kids are all running around and playing. Kids aren't like adults. They don't feel sorry for themselves. You know what I mean? They live day by day. They don't think about what's coming in the future. They think about what they're doing in that instance. So yeah, I don't like cocoa pops. So yeah, I am in a mood. But then tomorrow they'll eat cocoa pops and they'll be absolutely fine. Do you know what I mean? They live in the moment and I think seeing them happy and how happy we make them helps keep you positive. It's alright to be upset. It's appropriate because at the end of the day it shows that you're doing your job well because you care. You know what I mean? We wouldn't have the relationships that we have with the families and the children if we didn't have that emotional tie to them. You're all special and I love them all to pieces. The incredible team at Leeds Children's Hospitals made up of 1,411 dedicated individuals who work tirelessly to provide care for the 250,000 patients they see each year. Their work is absolutely priceless and it makes a huge difference in the lives of so many. I want to give a special shout out to Natalie and the play specialist team. They play a vital role in the hospital journey of every patient, bringing joy and comfort through play. Their impact is immense, and I hope that in the future, play specialists will be just as recognised as doctors, nurses and support workers. And of course, a very special mention goes to Max. You are an absolute superstar. You've been listening to Vital Signs, the podcast from Leeds Teaching Hospitals. Click follow to make sure you don't miss our next episode.